reaching Israel and the world and the world. Shalom, beloved one, and Baruch Hashem, bless the name of the Lord. Cynthia Marjorie and I welcome you today to Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Honey, we're continuing a series that we're calling Authentic Prayer. Yeah. And a lot of times people hear about prayer and they, they think of like a formula or they think about like doing something or performing a certain way. But what we're gonna be exploring today, and hopefully the Lord will give revelation to his own, is that Prayer is simply reaching out to Him. It's yes. communicating from our spirit with God who is spirit. Yeah, yeah, amen, amen. It, you know, I think the only time that a formula fit in with prayer for me is when I'm trying to communicate with Him, when I'm trying to commune with Him and I just don't feel His spirit and I feel there's a block. And when I feel blocked, then that's when I go into a cleansing prayer mm -hmm. where I call on the blood of Jesus. And sometimes I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Just Lord, the blood of Jesus, cleanse me, the blood of Jesus. And it's a strange uh, operation, but it, it every single time it breaks up the blockage. Mm. And then I'm able to uh, communicate with the Lord better, more effectively after I call on that blood of Jesus to forgive my sins, just any darkness that is within me. So I, I pray today that as we're going into the keys for prayer that you gain revelation. We're continuing today a series that I'm calling Authentic Prayer. When I say this to you, I'm speaking it, beloved one, from the bottom of my heart. Please go back and watch the first episode. I covered some things that are so fundamental that so many need to hear about what authentic prayer actually is. Because so many times people think, well, I don't really know how to pray. And knowing how to pray has nothing to do with authentic prayer. Let me say that again. Knowing how to pray has very little to do with authentic prayer. Because authentic prayer begins with simply talking to God, just like you would talk to your most trusted friend. I'm not gonna go into that today. I covered this in great depth on the last broadcast, the first part of this series. I wanna move on today. I'm going to the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. I wanna read a very profound, a very simple profound statement that Jesus made. He was just about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, Father, he lifted his eyes to heaven. And then he said this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now he hadn't said anything yet. All he had done so far is he had communed with the Father in his heart. So there was no preceding prayer. It wasn't like Jesus had been speaking out loud in prayer. It was just that Yeshua always had an internal dialogue in his soul going on with the Spirit. Jesus walked continually in an internal silent dialogue with the Father. Now, when I say it was a silent dialogue, I don't mean that there were no words or emotions or feelings being expressed between Yeshua and the Father. What I mean was it wasn't out loud with his lips. It was going on deep in his soul. So he walked in a continual state of fellowship. So once again, getting back to the text, 
John eleven forty one. 41, Jesus said this, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they might believe that you sent me. What's going on here? Jesus is saying, Father, I'm speaking out loud to you now with my audible voice, with my vocal cords in the natural so that everybody around me will he hear that I'm talking with you. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And we know the rest of the story. Lazarus, bam, rose from the dead. The point is, is that authentic prayer involves a continual internal communication with the spirit. It doesn't have to be out loud. We're praying when we're simply reaching out to God, whether it's simply in our heart, whether it's in our mind, whether it's our focus. When you're directing, we call in Hebrew, kavanah. That's the Hebrew word for your focus. When we're directing our focus toward the Lord, when we're desiring him, that's prayer. Because prayer is most simply defined as a reaching out to God. We're stripping away all the religion. We're stripping away all the pretext. We're talking about authentic prayer. Where is it founded? Where does it begin? It begins, like I said last time, in believing there is a God. You're not gonna pray to someone you don't believe exists. Secondly, authentic prayer takes place when we have enough faith that we believe that if we speak to him, he's gonna answer us. Now, obviously that doesn't mean that every time we ask God for something or talk to him, we're gonna hear a voice or we're gonna see something happen immediately because God's ways are not our ways. And a thousand years to us is like one day to the Lord. So he answers in his own way in his own time. But authentic prayer happens when we believe that he is and believe that he does respond. And we keep trusting even when we don't see the response immediately. And then we're saying, as we've begun this episode, beloved children of God today, that authentic prayer does not have to be out loud. Whenever you're reaching out to God in your heart, in your thoughts, or out loud with your lips, that is prayer. And so that's what we just saw illustrated in John chapter 11. Before Yeshua raised Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I knew you heard me. I know you always hear me, but so that these people around might understand our relationship, the dialogue that we have, the communion, the relationship that we're in. I'm speaking it out loud so that they know that you answer me and we speak in continual states. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. I want to encourage you to trust that God hears the most subtle inclination, the most subtle movement of your soul. He hears you always. You don't have to pray to a God that's out there somewhere. You don't have to project so loud with your vocal cords all the time thinking that the louder you are or the more eloquent your words are that'll hear you now know that he already hears you. The Bible says that when we have a full revelation of the Lord, we're gonna realize that he answers us before we even speak. 
He answers, beloved, before we even speak. So I want you to walk in the state of knowing. Jesus said, Father, I know that you hear me. I knew that you heard me already, but I'm saying it out loud now that these around will know that you hear me. We have to understand what Jesus meant when he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've already received it. Believe that you've already received it and you'll have possession of that thing that you're hungering for. It kind of is driving to the same depth. We have to know that we're already in communion with the Lord, that he already hears us. We don't have to go out there somewhere to connect with him. God is in the center of your heart right now. And he wants you to know he already hears you. You don't have to fear that he doesn't hear you. He hears you. He hears you. Now I'm in a transition. I want to go to Psalm number 51. We're talking about authentic prayer. This is one of the most authentic prayers in the Psalms. It's a, a prayer that the greatest king of Israel wrote, David Melech, King David. So we're gonna go through Psalm 51. We're gonna kind of take it apart verse by verse because it has a lot to say about what authentic prayer looks like. So David begins in Psalm 51 and he says in verse one, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. So the first thing that David does is he appeals to the God of grace. Do you know that Paul in the New Testament, Shaul began every one of his letters by saying, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the same one that David was appealing to when he said, be gracious to me, O God, the same one that David was appealing to in Psalm 51 is the relationship, is the, is the God that Paul was in relationship with. And so what is grace? The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter two, by grace, you've been saved. What is grace? Grace is many things, but grace is God's undeserved love and empowerment to, accept, to be accepted by him and to be in relationship with him and to know him. Grace is God's love extended to us. It involves both forgiveness and empowerment to supernaturally walk with him and know him. And so David begins by reaching out to a God that did not reward him according to his sins, but a God that he simply knew was a God of love. And so once again, be gracious to me, O God, according to your what? Your loving kindness. Every Friday, I put a short mini devotional out called Seeds of Revelation. They generally last about two to three minutes. If you're interested in receiving my Friday devotionals directly in your email box, just follow the directions below. I recently put out one taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter four, verse 25. In that section of scripture, we read 
that we're to keep our eyes straight in front of us. Solomon said this, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. A similar scripture says that a wise man keeps his eyes in his own head. What the Lord is warning us here about is keeping ourselves from being distracted. Today we're faced with so many distractions, with all the lights, all the social media, the internet. Life is moving so quick. And then there's all the false answers that people are putting out there. If you have this, you'll be happy. If you do that, you'll be happy. All these things take us out of the game. They take us out of the race of life, which involves one thing, and that is living for the Lord. I want to encourage you today to ask the Holy Spirit to train you and to guard you against being distracted. Remember, beloved, a wise man keeps his eyes in his own head. As we grow closer to our Savior's return, there are still millions who have not experienced Him, from Africa to Israel and every corner of the earth. But Rabbi Schneider, through all forms of media and on-the-ground crusades, is reaching the world with inspirational teaching from a Jewish perspective, equipping the church, evangelizing the lost, and pouring into the lives of pastors and leaders around the globe. This could not happen without you, because you are an integral part in sending Him. Is God calling you to help Rabbi proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Give at DiscoveringTheJewishJesus.com or call 800-777-7835. So I want to just stamp this truth on your heart right now. Who is God? He's a God that loves you and accepts you for who you are, right where you are, regardless of who you are and where you are in your life. This is why the Bible says we've been accepted in the book of Ephesians chapter one, in the beloved. God accepts you right where you are, whoever you are right now, if you will look to Jesus. Remember that old song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. I might've got the words just a little, but that's, that's what we do. We turn our eyes to Jesus and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his wonder and grace. So David begins by having confidence in this being, in this creator, that's a God of love, that God, now listen, David was not perfect, right? He had sinned with Bathsheba, ordered the murder of Bathsheba's husband. I mean, that's pretty, how much worse does it get? But yet he still had confidence that his God loved him. And so that's a lesson for you and I. Paul said that he was the chief of sinners. Paul was out to, you know, arrest and, and, and you know, and, and, and brutalize any Jew that believed in Jesus. But yet God intervened and saved him. And Paul said that the fact that God saved him, who was out there arresting Jewish believers and putting them in prison and beating them, Paul said, if he saved me, then he'll save anybody. So know right now, I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did this morning. I don't know what fight you might have got in with your spouse, the words that might have been said. 
I don't know what addictions you might have. I don't know if you're an alcoholic, a drug addict, a sex addict, a television addict. I don't know where you're at, but you know what? Jesus came, and it's a a trustworthy statement that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That's you and I. You can turn to this God of love and grace right now, and if you look to him in Jesus' name, he will receive you. Come boldly before the throne of grace. And that David continues in the second part of verse 1. Once again, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. I mean, think about it. You know, a lot of the world, they consider themselves spiritual, right? They think believing in Jesus, that means you're one of those dinosaur people. You're one of those, you're one of those haters if you believe in Jesus. You're one of those narrow-minded bigots if you believe that Jesus is the only way. But you know what, beloved? There's no other name under heaven by which men can be saved, but the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So David could pray, blot out my transgressions. Through Jesus' blood, it doesn't matter what you've done, your sins are forgiven. Again, I was getting back to the world today. They think that people like you and I that believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that somehow we're archaic, You know that the world no longer has a place for us, but the Bible teaches that the only way for forgiveness to be granted is when blood has been shed. It's a blood atonement. That's the only way sin can be forgiven. This goes all the way back to the Hebrew Bible. Some even trace it back to Adam and Eve when God made them clothing after they sinned with animal skins that the blood of the animal had to be, be shed. But this goes all the way through the revelation in the Torah whether it's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the high priest took the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat into the Holy of Holies. There was first in the tabernacle, later in the temple. And when God saw the blood there over the Ark of the Covenant, he said, the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it to you on the altar for the atonement of your soul. For it's the blood by reason of its life that makes atonement. It's only through blood that we can come to God and he can blot out our, compa- our, our, our sin. David understood this. And you and I, no matter what you've done, the blood of Jesus has efficacy to remove your sin. So you can be happy right now that regardless of what you've done, regardless of what guilt you're carrying, like David that had just got done sinning with Bathsheba and ordering the, the, the uh, murder of her husband, he came to the father and he said to him, blot out my transgression in your compassion. It's okay, you're gonna be okay in Jesus. You know, think about this, you know a lot of people, I know a lot of people, they consider themselves spiritual, They consider themselves to be at a higher spiritual level than people like you and I that believe in Jesus. They believe in karma. You know, karma is an Eastern term, you know, from the Eastern religion. Most of you know what karma is, you know, like whatever you put out there is gonna come back to you. And in some of the Eastern religion, they believe that, you know, if you're good in this life, that when you come back in the next life, this is not what we believe, this is what Eastern religion believes, some of them, you'll come back in your next life as something like, you know, at a more higher level. But if you're bad in this life as a human being, you know, you might come back as a turtle or a frog or who knows. 
You know, it's a cool thing to think. You might've done a lot of bad things in your life, but you know what? Through the blood of Jesus, the karma is broken. Isn't that an awesome thing? That through the blood of Jesus, your karma is broken. That you don't have to receive back the consequence for all the evil and the sin that you've done because Jesus took your sin and my sin in his own body on the tree. He broke the karma and he delivered us from the torturing power of the enemy through whom we opened the door to him in our life because of our sin. The blood of Jesus cuts off his accusation and now we simply enter into the crucified one, the risen one, and now we're called into a life of blessing. And so Paul introduces Jesus by saying, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the book of Ephesians chapter one, who has blessed us, not curse, not all your bad karma coming back on you. Jesus stopped it. Jesus put up a blood wall of your sin. No, Paul said, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so once again, authentic prayer. How do we enter in? We enter in by asking the Lord to cleanse us and forgiving us, forgive us, knowing he's a compassionate and a loving God. So David said, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. And then David continued, verse two, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I don't know, I have a deep cry in my heart for the Lord to wash me and cleanse me. Prayer isn't just about asking God to do things for us. It's not just asking him to bless us with some type of prosperity blessing, you know? God's a good God, he blesses us with great gifts, but that's not, that's not all there is to this by any stretch of the imagination. Prayer begins with repentance. Repentance means that we recognize our sins. So David says in the next verse, for I know my transgressions. Listen again, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Remember John the Baptist's first words? Repent, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What were Jesus's first words? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We believe God's a loving God. We believe that he's a God of grace. Then we come to him, according to Psalm 51, verse one through three, confess our sin, asking him to take our sin away as David did, blotting it out. And then we say to him, Father, and wash me from the defilement that my sin has defiled me with. It's sanctification. And so Father, we ask you today to wash us and cleanse us of our sin. We ask you to rewire our soul and our mind and our heart to bring us in to alignment with your holiness. Father, we wanna walk with you. We wanna know you and we wanna love you. Baruch Hashem in Jesus' name. Todah Rabbah, that's Hebrew for thank you very much to everyone that is supporting this ministry so that we can continue to teach and preach the word of God 
all around the globe. I want you to know those of you that are sowing into this ministry, we receive testimonies every single week. I mean, hundreds of testimonies from people that are telling us that they felt like they heard the word of the Lord for the first time. People that are coming to salvation, people that were falling, that got lifted up by the power and encouragement that's in God's word. And it's because of you that are sowing financially into this ministry that all those people are being helped. If you're being blessed by this ministry and you believe that can bless other people, I wanna ask you to just open your heart to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if he's prompting you to sow an offering to the Lord through this ministry, I just wanna encourage you to be obedient. And I wanna thank you once again from the bottom of my heart for making it possible for God's kingdom to spread through discovering the Jewish Jesus. Here's how you can donate or become a monthly partner. Send your tax-deductible gift to Discovering the Jewish Jesus, P.O. Box 777, Blissfield, Michigan, 49228. Or to give by credit card, visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com or call 1-800-777-7835 or text the keyword rabbi to 45777. To show our appreciation, we'll send you an audio CD and download of Rabbi's Message of the Month and our most recent newsletter. Your gift is bringing salvation, healing, and deliverance to Israel and the world through television, internet, and crusade outreaches. Finally, many of us have honored God with our finances while living, but have we considered how we can honor the Lord with our finances when we pass on? For more information, click Will and Estate Gifts at discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the beginning, man's relationship with God was unhindered. But today, despite all of our knowledge and our understanding, we live in a planet full of hunger, sorrow, and disease. And it seems our prayers often go unanswered. In the key to answered prayer, Rabbi Kurt Schneider uncovers the theme of key prayers in the Old and New Testaments, teaching you how to pray with confidence. Rediscover how to connect with God and have your prayers answered. Get your copy today. Call 800-777-7835 or visit discoveringthejewishjesus.com. In the book of Numbers chapter 6, the Lord gave instructions to Moses and Aaron to speak this blessing over his people. And the Lord said, when you speak these words over my people, I will place my name on them and bless them receive the impartation of the Lord's blessings. Yahweh Vayishmarecha Yair Yahweh Panavelecha Vihunecha the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift you up by his countenance and the Lord give you, beloved one, his peace. God bless you and shalom. 
Revelation today for a brighter tomorrow. Find Discovering the Jewish Jesus on all your favorite social media outlets and stay up to date on the content you love. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. Connecting with Discovering the Jewish Jesus has never been easier. Next time on Discovering the Jewish Jesus, Rabbi shows us the reasons for prayer and how humbly presenting our prayers to God can satisfy us. Don't miss this exciting episode.